Two Truths and a Lie, the series that looks at real-life issues and picks apart what's true and what's not. Welcome back. I'm Gila Ross, host of the Power Up podcast, where we cut through the chase and talk about real things that can impact and upgrade our everyday lives. So today, I'm very, very excited that we have with us Blimi Heller, who is a parent educator and coach, and who I personally met over Instagram, and she shares such incredible ideas and wisdom and thoughts for parenting that I just really, really love following her, and I reached out to her, and I was really, really excited to have her come on the Power Up podcast. So thank you so much, Blimi, for joining us today. My Blimi, pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the opportunity. My pleasure. My pleasure. Blimi, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So as many people who have already taken my course know, I didn't always parent this way. So I actually, from a young age, I always knew I wanted to be a good parent, whatever that means. I really, parenting was something that was important to me from a young age. I read my mother's parenting books and it was something that I always knew I wanted to do well. Uh, However, then when I actually did become a parent, it was a lot trickier than I thought it would be. And I found myself responding in ways that I felt really badly about and that I thought was probably not beneficial, but I didn't know what else to do. And I was kind of like stuck in a pattern and in a dynamic that really wasn't working for me or for my child. Um, So I would do the classic things that I think a lot of parents do, threaten her all the time to gain her cooperation and uh, bribe here and there, but even though she didn't really go for that, she didn't go for threats either, unless they were extreme. Um, And getting really angry a lot of the time and kind of sort of micromanaging her and not really enjoying her or relating to her very much, really much more like policing her. And um, I didn't enjoy it, like I said. And also it really was, it wasn't working for either of us. So because of that, I actually started, I mean, I I share, you know, in my course, the actual, (laughs) where I think the turning point happened happened for me. But for now, I'm just going to skip over all the details. And basically what happened was I realized like I can't do this anymore. And so I started searching for more information, for new information, something different. And and, And when I started searching, I realized that I actually had no idea what, my role was as a parent. Like, what was I really doing? Like, what was my job really? Like, what was I supposed to do? I just kind of like was doing what my parents did minus the things that I didn't like that they did. Plus what I saw my friends doing and everybody around me doing. It was just like, I didn't really know what the point all was. Most of us, you know, we don't stop to question like, wait, what, what is the most important thing here? And what am I doing and how am I supposed to be doing it? So when I finally, uh, in the beginning, I came across the same information that I did like most of us know about like council three. And if your child doesn't listen to you, then put them in a timeout, like all the stuff that I had already been doing. And I was like, no, I don't want to hear this anymore. And then right. finally I came across, I think the first, uh, I actually was on Facebook. I came across a post from somebody, her name is L.R. Nost. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. She's a mother. And she wrote many books on, uh, quite a few, I believe, books on parenting, gentle parenting, really. And they resonated instantly. It was like, yes, what would she think? I know that that's, that feels right. Like that's true, you know? And so I started looking into the people that she was like finding inspiration from. And I 
started coming across accounts from child psychologists and neuroscientists and developmental psychologists and mothers and fathers and basically a bunch of people who introduced me to a whole new world of thinking and seeing parenting and children and our role and everything like that. And I became obsessed. Really, it was an obsession where I would watch hours and hours of lectures and read every single book I could get my hands on, but I devoured it. I couldn't get enough of it because it really, really spoke to my soul. And so I started implementing everything I was learning into my home. It was not easy. I really, really want to say that it was not easy at all. Um, it was very challenging to unlearn everything that I had known, all my conditioning, you know, um, to, to, to control myself and the, my reactions, because a lot of it in this way of parenting, it's not like you get a free pass to just punish your kids. So you really have to, it really highlights just how reactive you are, you know, and you start noticing like, whoa, I'm having such a strong reaction or I have so much anger. Or I have so much, whatever it is. And so you really have to work on yourself and you have to confront you also have to confront your ego. Like, I wanted my child to be well-behaved so that the neighbors can be like, oh, she's doing a good job, right? Or I wanted to look good in their eyes. And, and I had to let go of that, you know? And it was very challenging. And I started realizing that so much of the way we parent is for our ego, is so that we look good for others, which is, you know, that's the opposite of what we're <laughs> what it's supposed to be about. But it's so normal and it happens. And so it was just a lot, a lot of work, but very meaningful, satisfying work. And I'm still doing the work. I'm still on the journey. You know, I still make mistakes. I'm always going to make mistakes. I'm always going to be human. It's not about being perfect, perfect, which a lot of people get stuck on that. They think this is about being a perfect parent. You're never going to be one. This is not what it's about. It's about parenting in alignment with your values and what you really believe is, you know, your role as a parent and what you're supposed to be doing with your child. And um, I'm so passionate about it that I share it with other parents. Honestly, this is really where my, 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 I'm just so excited about it that I can't stop myself from sharing it with others. And so that's why I opened an Instagram account to share it. Right. So tell me, um, I mean, look, I think when, when I listen to your story, I think I, I can relate to so much. I can relate. And I'm sure so many of our listeners can relate to it because, you know, you know, that meme of like, I was a perfect parent. Then I had kids. Like, yes. 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 Like we, we, we want, we have this dream of how we're going to parent. And then we have a child that doesn't fit into that dream, right? Like that, that doesn't respond the way we, we wish there was. So tell me, tell us a little bit about what this new way of parenting looked like. Like what, what were the differences? What were the main features of it? T tell us a little bit about that. It, there's a, a few things. Number one, it's about the relationship is the most important thing. Okay, so you and your child, you really, really want to stay away from anything that is going to create disconnection and undermine the relationship, of course, as much as possible. Of course, mistakes happen, that's human, but intentionally you wanna to try to stay away from those things. And what I realized is that a lot of the mainstream parenting practices are actually really, really terrible for relationships. You know, if we would apply the same things to an adult relationship, we would consider it toxic. But with a parent-child relationship, it's normal. I don't know why, right? So, so that's number one, the relationship is the most important thing. So we're really gonna look at view everything through that lens. Is this going to create more connection or is this going to create disconnection? And we're going to try to intentionally choose the things that create connection rather than disconnection. That's number one. Uh, the second thing is, and this really ties into all of that, is about respect. We really, really, you know, um, Magda Gerber, I think that's how you pronounce her name. She was a, um, one of like the revolutionary people who 
first introduced this kind of concept of respecting children. And she has a famous quote, many people have been hurt in the name of love, but I don't know anybody who's been hurt in the name of respect. Right. And so that's why it, we always say, I, I love you. That's why I'm hurting you. <laughs> you know, I love you. That's why I'm punishing you. I love you. That's why I'm slapping right. you or whatever it is. And the thing is that here we're like, is it respectful? We respect children as human beings. And if it's not something you would do to another human being, we don't do it to a child. So that's really um, two of the most important things about parenting. And so many other things fall under the ca those categories, obviously. Right, right. And, um, you know, I, I, again, it, it really resonates because I, I, we know that relationship is, is key because I don't know if, if when we were kids it worked, but, you know, when, when our parents said something, did we listen, didn't we listen? I don't know. But nowadays, if, if, we don't res if our kids don't respect us and don't have that relationship with us, then the values, which I think goes back to what you were saying about going back to our role, our role is not just to get to bedtime. Is it right? It's, it's, it's to actually raise healthy adults with great values and those values that we're only going to learn from us if we if they have that relationship with us. So what I'd love is if you could give us two truths and then if you had an opportunity to burst one myth, what would that be? So um, if you parent gently and respectfully, it is may initially it may be harder, but it's far more meaningful and enjoyable than parenting in a traditional way. The second one is that gentle, respectful parenting is very similar to permissive parenting, where we don't really uphold boundaries and we let children sort of do whatever they want. The other one is that we don't prioritize the children's needs above the parents' needs. We don't prioritize the parents' needs above the child's needs. We prioritize everybody's. Ooh, so two of those are truths and one is a lie let's find out which one is which all right okay so let's go in order so let's start with the the first one that initially it may be harder more challenging to parent this way but eventually it actually becomes more meaningful and enjoyable and i want to say here that parenting is hard no matter which way you slice it it's hard i've done it both ways it's hard it's a challenge it's human beings you're raising them it's a lot you know they're people with needs and so it's challenging either way Initially, why parenting this way might be harder is like I mentioned before, because you have to really unlearn and relearn a lot of things. You really have to confront your ego and your conditioning and your reactivity and work on those things within yourself. So that's why it might be harder, like inner work. You're gonna have to work on yourself. But then it becomes so much more meaningful and enjoyable because instead of micromanaging your children mm -hmm. all, all day, you're actually living with them. It has, has a very different feel. It's almost like you live, you're, you're like, you know, growing alongside them and sort of nurturing them and guiding them on the way. It has a very different feel than like, you know, micromanaging kind of feel of traditional parenting. Then the second one where I said that it's very similar to permissive parenting, that is a myth, which is very, very, a very widely held myth yeah. about this way of parenting. And I understand why it is. Many people come across it. You should know when I first came across it, I was also unsure because we talk about the connection, the relationship being so important and don't do anything to, you know, uh, get in the way of that connection. And so people are like, but as a parent, I have to set boundaries. And when I set boundaries, my child's very unhappy. And they sometimes might say, you're such a mean parent, or they might feel really disconnected. 
So are you telling me that I shouldn't be holding boundaries? Obviously you don't. Then another question they have is, you talk about not punishing or not giving consequences. How in the world am I supposed to uphold a boundary if I can't give a consequence? So basically you're telling me that you only uphold a boundary if the child complies. <laughs> if they don't, you just let it go. And I, I completely understand people who have this misconception. Like I said, I initially had it as well because I was looking through the framework, through the, you know, perspective of traditional parenting, where the only way to uphold boundaries is all a control thing. It's all about you're the parent and then how do you control your child? Whereas this way of parenting is about being in relationship with your child. It's such a different dynamic. So first of all, besides for the fact that we have different tools and ideas and we recognize what our role is, what our children's role is in upholding boundaries. Also, because of the relationship, because of the way that we navigate things, children are so much more likely to work with us. It's not a control thing. It doesn't become you against me. It's not an adversarial relationship. And that's very hard to understand or wrap your head around if you're very used to the traditional mindset, if you're still thinking in those ways. Like many people who first come across it think like, my child's never gonna cooperate if I do that with them. And the thing is because yes, because if, the way you've been parenting until now, of course, yes, your child will not cooperate with you if you do that. It's gonna take a while. You have to shift the relationship, shift the dynamic, but you'll see your child will, right? And again, there's obviously things that you can do while you transition to help you uphold boundaries, but boundaries are super important for us as well. Again, though, we're careful about the boundaries that we set. Just because I'm the parent, that doesn't mean that I now get to set whatever boundaries I want to. I have to be intentional about it. Only set the boundaries that are really beneficial and important for my child, which I noticed when I started parenting this way that I was setting boundaries right, left and center that had really were not necessary or important. I could have done it a totally different way, but I didn't know how. So, so of course boundaries are important, but, but it takes knowing a lot more information. It's like, I could share some things here, but most of it comes from being integrated in this information. This is why I give a course so that it's a lot, even much more of a framework and you can understand a lot more. Let's just a wild example that probably never happens, but let's say you have a eight-year-old kid and you tell them it's bedtime and they say, I don't want to go to bed. And you know that if your child doesn't go to bed at whatever time it is, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, mm -hmm. they are going to just be overtired the next day. Mm -hmm. What then? <laughs> yeah. So see, that's the thing. I have so much to say on this. Okay. So here we go. <laughs> so let's start from the very beginning, right? So most people will be shocked to know that my children rarely ever say, I don't want to go to bed. Right. And that's not because they're angels or anything. They're just like regular kids. Of course, if they're having a lot of fun, they don't want to go. Or if there's a lot of people over, they're going to FOMO, just like all of us do. But going to sleep is not a negative thing, or it's not something that they're, you know, not okay with. Now, why? There's many reasons why an eight-year-old child will may not want to go to sleep. It could be that they just feel bossed around. It could be that. It could also be that when bedtime happens, mother, father, parents, they separate from me. They just leave me on my own and I'm all alone in the dark and I just feel lonely and sad and disconnected and all the thoughts that I had throughout the day come up in my head and I don't know who to share them with. Maybe that's a reason. Or I feel like my parents just want to get rid of me for the day and I don't feel good about that. I still want to connect with them. I still want to just a little bit like round off the day and have a better ending to it, you know, have a little bit more connection when I go to sleep. So those are just a few reasons why a child might not want to. The thing is in our, um, you know, the mainstream culture, we don't look underneath behavior. We simply take behavior at face value. Like, child doesn't want to go to bed. How do I make them go? 
How do I get them to do it? That's all we ask. <laughs> in this way of parenting, we ask why, what's happening for the child that's getting in the way for them. And either if they're very young, we might have to guess and figure that out ourselves. If they're older, we have a conversation. So that's what I, I actually would do, right? With my child, so I would have a conversation. Again, though, how to have the conversation matters as well. So it's a little bit of a, takes a little bit of skill because some parents, you know, they'll hear, okay, have a conversation. How will the conversation go? They'll come over to the child and say, well, why don't you want to go to sleep? You need to go to sleep. Why don't you want to go to sleep? And the child says, I don't know, because I don't want to. And the parent's like, oh, you see, it's not working. Conversations don't work. Okay, that, that's because right. that wasn't really a very great way of starting a conversation, but most of us don't really have the skill of doing that. So, so how to have the conversation matters as well. We have to have it with compassion, with empathy, opening it, also asking why rarely ever works. Children have no idea themselves why they don't, want, they don't want to go. They don't have that awareness the same way many of us don't have awareness. They don't know what's happening for them. They just have that feeling, I don't want to. And so they share that, right? So our job is to really listen and be able to empathize well enough so the child can actually share and then we get a picture of what's actually happening for them. So let's say I would do that with my child. I would say like, huh, I see you're really not wanting to go to sleep. Tell me what's going on. You know, my child's like, I don't know, I just don't want to. I'll say, oh, you really just don't want to. And then my child might say something like, yeah, I hate it. Every single night I'm all by myself. And if right, okay, there you go. Now the reason's starting to come out, even though they, you haven't asked why, right? You're just reflecting. Okay. So then once my child, once I get an idea of what's happening, I'll say, oh, wow, that's what you want. And then comes either I'll share like, okay, do you know actually why I want you to be going to sleep at this and this time? I only will share that if it's necessary or if it's important. Many times we have never had a necessary conversation with our child explaining why they need to sleep, why they need a certain amount of hours of sleep, you know, all that. So that's a whole separate thing. But anyway, and then I would collaborate with my child. We would brainstorm together. So what can we do that works for everyone? If you don't want to go because you're scared at night and you're by yourself and they'll say, okay, I hear that. But at the same time, I don't think I can stay with you the entire time until you fall asleep. So what can we figure out together that works? I've done this with my child and my child said, okay, how about you spend 10 minutes with me? Then you leave the room. But then when I'm about to fall asleep, I'll call you and you'll come back until I fall asleep. That worked for us. That worked amazing. We did that for a few years, right? So every single child, every situation is different. All, every family, something different is going to work for them, but you have to be open. And this is the thing also, what you start noticing when you parent this way is that we're all, most of us, we accuse our children of being super rigid, but we're actually the ones who are super rigid and our children are just rigid in response to that. So we're not willing to see if there's another way that we can do this. We're not willing. We're just like, no, go to bed. Does it do it now? Right. We're not willing to actually see what's happening for you. And is there really a different way that I can navigate this? Why? Because most of us are really afraid that our needs won't get met. Like if I listen to you and if I hear what's happening for you and I have to consider now what's how to work that out, then I, my needs are not going to get met. Then I'm going to have to do what you want me to do. And this is a very, very, this actually goes back to our own childhood because that's what happened to us, right? But the thing is that they're really, and this is what really ties into my other, this is perfect right. actually, to segue into my other truths. Everybody's needs matter in this way of parenting. Do you see? We don't right. prioritize the child's needs, but we don't either prioritize the parent's needs. We prioritize everybody's needs. And that, and the thing is that that takes a level of trust that you're actually going to be able to do that. Some parents are worried. They're like, I don't know if I know how to do that. And so that's where they stay rigid right? But the more you do it and the more you practice, the more you realize, wow, this really works. We can do something that works for everyone. And it's so beautiful. And the more children trust that that's what's really going to happen, the more cooperative they are because they're not worried that if they listen to you or they cooperate with you, that you're actually not going to consider their needs. 
You hear what I'm saying? So that's really, that, that's how we navigate a lot of these things. And if you see, if you're already starting to listen and notice, it's such a different dynamic. It's such a different way of navigating things and doing things. And some people get worried at this point. They're like, that takes so long. Like, it's just so much easier to be threaten them and be like, go to sleep and I'm taking away your iPad. First of all, sometimes that doesn't really take that, that it doesn't, it seems like it's shorter, but it really takes long because you fight back and forth with your child for a while until it actually, right? And as they get older, it works less and less well. Exactly, you have to think of scarier things. and It doesn't really take faster. Sometimes it does, but this doesn't take that long. Like I said, initially, when you're still trying to learn the skill, that's gonna take the longest. But once you and your child trust and know that this is what's always gonna happen, it really is a very, very smooth and an easy conversation, you know, right. to have. Yeah. So this is actually such a perfect example of, you know, where we consider both people's needs, but really that's what this is about. You know, I find that again, going back to mainstream, traditional, whatever parenting, um, we, it, it was sort of all about like, it wasn't really about prioritizing the parents' needs, but about prioritizing the parents' agenda, I guess. You know, because a lot of times it didn't actually meet the parents' needs. Parents were martyrs. It didn't, they didn't meet their own needs either. But they still, it was all about like my agenda as a parent. If I want it this way, this is how it's going to be. And that's it. Not, no questions asked, you know? Right. And then what happens is, is that some parents then, they don't want to raise their kids that way. So they flip to the other side where they prioritize their children's needs. It's like whatever the children's agenda is, whatever you want. And that's what we call permissive parenting. Oh, look, that segues us into the next one. Okay, and that's what we call permissive parenting, right? Where we prioritize the child's needs above the parents' needs or above the family's needs, like everybody's needs, right? And that is what many people assume gentle parenting is. They assume that that's what we're doing. We're actually prioritizing the children's needs above the, the child's needs. And again, there are maybe some parents who do do that, but that's not really what this is about, right? And so we, that's not healthy either. We don't wanna prioritize anybody's above the others. Automatically, when you do that, there's an imbalance and that already creates toxicity and unhealthiness. So we want to prioritize everybody's. The parents' right. needs are really important. And also it's really important not to be a martyr as a parent. Meet your own needs, like self-care, 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 right? We talk about it all the time. It's already overused, but it's true. And self-care doesn't only mean pedicures and manicures. It's about working on yourself is also self-care, right? Taking care of your emotional needs is also self-care. So, but the thing, the idea is really to prioritize your needs as a parent so that you can show up for your children. Also in the moment, prioritizing your needs, like saying like, it's okay to say as a parent, like, you know what, actually I'm too tired to do that. But I really hear that this is something that you need. So how can we work this out? There's right. many, many different ways to figure it out. We're so, speaking of an abundance mindset, you know, many of us have this very like, what's the opposite of an abundance mindset? Like a very narrow, Strict scared, person. constricted mindset where we believe like there's, there aren't enough, you know, options or yes. ideas. Scarcity is the word, I think. Oh, thank you. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. We have a scarcity mindset. Yeah, that's what we're, you know, that there's no, there, there isn't a way to figure it out. There's not a way to meet everybody's needs. It's either mine or yours. And so I'm going to choose mine right now, or I'm going to choose yours right now. And to get into the space where we really realize, notice and recognize how to do that. It's a skill. It's something that you have to learn. It's not something that happens overnight, but it's such a beautiful, such a beautiful thing. And so that, that really actually brings in my third point. Like I just said, is that it's not permissive parenting. Permissive parenting is where we prioritize what the child wants. And here's where I want to actually differentiate wants from needs. Okay. Most of us confuse this. I definitely used to. So when people hear, oh, prioritizing parents needs, prioritizing child wants, uh, needs, sorry, they hear wants sometimes. Wants and needs are different. Needs are very abstract. Like connection is a need, but 
there's when I say connection, what do you think of? It could be lots of different things. It could be time spent together. It could be doing something together. It could be listening. It could be hugs, kisses, buying something for someone else. Right, right. There you go. There's so that's why it's abstract. Connection could mean so many things and manifest in many different ways. Yeah, that's the thing. So that so there's many strategies to meet one need. You just commented on many strategies. Wants are strategies. So if I want something, or if my child wants something, that doesn't necessarily mean that we need to do that thing in order to meet the need. What we need to do is isolate the want from the need. Be like, oh, I want you to spend time with me right now, but what I'm really seeking is connection. Is there a way for me to give you connection without me spending time with you right now? Right. And so that's the thing is, but the thing is that when we confuse the two, it can be very hard for us as parents of thinking like, wait, so I need to give my children everything they want. If they cry that they want a cookie, that means I need to give them. No, that's a want. That's a strategy. We want to meet. Wants are usually also more in the moment, whereas needs are met over time, right? Even if you think about need for food, very rarely does the need for food need to be satisfied right now. Whereas when you want that chocolate chip cookie or whatever it is, you want it right now. Right. So that's correct. And that's why it's possible to meet everybody's needs, because it could be that we'll say, you know what, in an hour, I'm going to do that with you. And a child could be okay with that because they're like, okay, you're, you're still prioritizing my need, even though it's not what I want, like right now, but it's okay. It's satisfying because you're seeing what I want and your prior need and you're prioritizing that. Right. So exactly. It doesn't have to be necessarily right there in the moment. That's many times is a want. So, so learning these things is important to help us really parent this way. Because if we don't know these things, we can confuse wants with needs and then everything our child wants, we can think that we have to meet it. And that gets us into really hot water, (laughs) right? Right. So, yeah. So thank you, thank you. I mean, I think it's been really, really um, a really good conversation. I love the focus on on the relationships. I mean, um, as I often, you know, I run a parenting course as well. And what I start with is what is the goal of parenting, right? And and the goal, whatever, whatever our goal is in terms of our values, it all starts with the relationship. And what I'm hearing from you is that it's an investment, right? In the beginning, it's an, it's, it's an investment, but that investment pays off, number one, in terms of that relationship that we're going to uphold and, and protect and develop. And, and in the, in the days as well, that we're going to enjoy it um, as well. And I think what you you showed us is that, that everyone's needs matters, right? And I think when we can, when we parent from the place where we understand that our needs matter, it helps us give our children their needs. And when our our kids are, are parented in a way where they see that their needs matter, they're, you know, they, they are able to listen to us taking care of our, our needs, which I think is really goes on to what you were, that myth that you burst for us is that it's not that boundaries don't matter and we don't uphold those boundaries, but we do uphold those boundaries. Those ones that are, are, are important to uphold in a respectful way. So thank you. Thank you. I mean, this has really been a very, very enlightening conversation. And can I add one more thing? Sure, go ahead. Yeah. I think this is very important to say, because now I'm listening, I was, I was listening to you and I love how you encapsulated that is that I say everybody's needs matter, but it's never a child's job to meet their parents' needs. It's our, we have to meet our children's needs and then it's our job to meet our own needs. So we should prioritize our needs, but it's not our children's job to meet it. Meaning I could say, I'm tired right now, so I'm going to take a break, but it's not my child's job to look out for it or to meet it for me or to give me connection because I need connection, et cetera. We can receive it from them, but not, we're not making them responsible to give it to us. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I'm, so glad, I'm so glad you clarified that because that, that, is, that is a very, very important um, point. So, Blumi, if our listeners want to hear more, where can they connect with you? Yeah, so I actually have a website that I recently um, put up. It's called, actually, my name is Blimi Heller, but I write my name B-L-I-M-I with an E at the end. So, BlimiHeller.com. And on there, I have a lot of resources. And then I have my Instagram account. Every single, almost every single day, I post something. And I post really helpful, useful content that you can use, IGTVs, reels, different things that can really be practical things sometimes, sometimes more mind shifts that can really help you with transitioning to this way of parenting. If you're curious, if you want to learn. Yeah. Yes. And, and um, I think I've connected with you over Instagram. I really, really love your feed. And it's one of my favorite um, accounts on Instagram. I'm going to put all that info in, in the show notes so that, that any of our listeners can go on there and click on it. Thank you so much for taking your time today, Blimi, um, and sharing with us this beautiful way of, of parenting, how you got to how you came to it and how and how it enhances your your relationship with your children um really really appreciate your time thank you so much for having me and for giving me the opportunity to share i really appreciate it thank you for taking the time to listen i'd love to hear your thoughts and your feedback you can get in touch with me. You can find me on Instagram. It's Gilla Ross. And please take a moment to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out. Thank you for your time and have a wonderful day.